Well, all year, we are going through uh, the gospel according to John in a series called Finding Life in Jesus' Name. And today we're continuing in John chapter 6 with the first of the famous I am statements of Jesus. And I said this last week, but the gospel according to John is like an art gallery with every piece curated to teach us something about the person and the work of Jesus. And there are, it's almost like he has different wings that are organized by unique themes, such as the seven miraculous signs uh, of Jesus, like turning water into wine or feeding the 5,000, or last week we saw uh, his miracle of walking on the water. Uh, but like the seven signs, there are seven I am statements uh, that teach us much about who Jesus is and what he came to do all those years ago. Our, our statement for today is, is this claim of Jesus, I am the bread of life. Now, this is a statement about the purpose or the mission of Jesus, of what Jesus came to accomplish. And what did Jesus come to accomplish? Well, surely the main work relates to the offering of forgiveness of sins through his atoning death on the cross and his victorious resurrection from the dead, right? Well, the answer is yes and more. Forgiveness of sins is not the only thing that Jesus came to accomplish. And the good news is that Jesus came to do many good things, including offer life, real life, Abundant life, eternal life. The life that God, our creator, always intended for us to have and to enjoy. But here's the problem. Far too many people, including many Christians, spend their lives chasing things that they think will result in deep and meaningful life. But only to find that years later, decades later, they're sadly disappointed. Far too many people chase things like relationships or career or beauty or power or wealth or family or fame or something else, thinking that that thing will give them the good life, the life that they long for. But as we'll see today, only Jesus, the bread of life, provides the life that we were made to enjoy. If you've ever been unsatisfied with life in this broken world, this message is for you. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, please take it and open it to John chapter 6. We'll start with verse 25. John 6, verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? <laughs> That's a funny question. Okay. Uh, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, if you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Okay, let's pause here for now. So we're just jumping right back into where we left off last week. And if you missed it last week, you can always go back and watch or listen online if you'd like. But remember that the previous day to this day was like the biggest ministry day ever. <laughs> Maybe in the history of the world. I don't know. There's, it, there's One of these days has got to count. 
But Jesus had miraculously fed not just 5,000, but we saw that was 5,000 men, many thousands of people by multiplying five loaves and two fish, okay, one, one, one bag lunch. Then the previous night, that evening, Jesus had sent his disciples back across the Sea of Galilee to head to Capernaum right into a storm. But eventually, Jesus came to them, walking on the water, and calmed the storm when he got in their boat. And so here, uh, the next morning, the, the crowd of many thousands had realized that Jesus had sent his disciples away. But then he was gone the next morning, and they didn't understand where he had, where he had, had gone, what had happened. And this is why when they found Jesus in the town of Capernaum, they said, when did you get here? <laughs> How did you get here, I wonder? But instead of saying like, ta-da, <laughs> like, like I, I probably would have if I was Jesus, like <laughs> just another sign for me, you know, that's how I would have responded. Jesus responds a little more seriously. He says, very truly, I tell you. And remember, in John's gospel, that's like a, a highlighter saying, pay attention. What I'm about to say is very important. Jesus says, pay attention. You are looking for me, but not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. So John tells us that the miraculous signs of Jesus, they weren't only meant to just impress people or to win influence from them. They were meant to, to be seen and to be believed by his disciples in a way that reveals the glory of Jesus Christ. This was meant to be a discipleship work. Now, some of the people in the crowd did become disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, but not everyone in the crowd was a disciple. As we'll see in John's gospel, many people in the crowd will leave Jesus when things get hard. But they're looking for Jesus. They are there because of what they can get from Jesus, not because they believe in him and trust in him for who he truly is. So, so Jesus offers this gentle correction to them when they find him, saying, do not work for food that spoils like the bread from yesterday, but for food that endures or remains to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now, there's two things that are pretty wild about this important statement from Jesus. First is that this, he uses the phrase or the title, I should say, Son of Man, and the Son of Man is the title that Jesus most often uses for himself throughout all of the gospel accounts of his life and ministry. More than Messiah, more than Son of God, more than the King of everything. <laughs> I would have used that title more. But um, yeah, Son of Man is, his, is the most common. Now, it comes from the Old Testament. It comes from Daniel chapter 7 in the Hebrew Bible, where it says, One like, like a son of man came into the presence of the Ancient of Days and was given a kingdom that would never end. So, so Jesus, by using that title, Son of Man, he's making a big claim here uh, simply by using that, that language. It would start to get people thinking about this prophecy of this king who would oversee the kingdom of God. But second, uh, what does Jesus say here that the Son of Man will do? Well, he says that 
He, the Son of Man, will give food that endures to eternal life. Now, that word translated endures is an interesting word in John's gospel. Later on in chapter 15, Jesus says in John 15, verse 4, remain in me. Remain is the same word translated endure. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, endure in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain, endure in me. And so here, Jesus, in a sense, refers to a, a thread that runs through John's gospel, which speaks about our remaining, our abiding, our enduring in Christ, who is our vine. So this is a reference to our union with Jesus, our, our enduring relationship, remaining in him, remaining connected to him. And Jesus says, listen, don't work for the bread from yesterday, food that spoils or perishes, another word that's loaded in John's gospel. Listen, Jesus is saying, as good as the bread was <laughs> that I gave you yesterday, multiplied to feed the thousands, it's not going to be as good as, as, it, as it was yesterday, today. Has anybody bought day-old bread? It's good for some things, right? But it's a little drier, it's a little crustier, it's going to spoil, it will perish. It will not endure forever. That's the bread that Jesus gave the people yesterday. This bread, even though it was nourishing in that time, it will spoil or perish. Work, Jesus says instead, for food that will not only nourish you, but will provide life to you forever. Well, that sounds pretty good, right? If you remember the story, the interaction or, or encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well, and he tells her about this, this well of living water that will well up to eternal life, she's like, give me some of that water, right? Okay, so now Jesus is talking about uh, the bread of life, bread that, that will nourish, that will satisfy, that will provide sustenance and life forever. What do we have to do, Jesus? How do we get that bread? Look back at verse 28. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? How do we get this? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, let's pause. So Jesus' answer is profoundly unexpected. And some of us who have grown up in the Christian faith may no longer be shocked by this. But we should be. Because no other religion and no other philosophy in the history of the world ever conceived of anything like what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You don't have to stop doing anything. You don't have to achieve anything. The only thing that you have to do is to believe in the one that God has sent. In other words, Jesus is saying the only thing you need in order to have the life that you long for and are killing yourself, by the way, working for today, is to believe in me. All you need is faith in Jesus. 
But for some cynics among us, you might be thinking, that just sounds too good to be true. Right? Doesn't that sound like there's some sort of hidden catch? Like, what about a, a person that I know with a bad reputation? What about, you know, the sinner? What about the convicted felon? What about our enemies? All they need to do is to trust in Jesus and they will find this real life, this abundant life of God too? The answer is yes. This is salvation by the grace of God. And grace isn't fair. Karma is fair. Karma says that basically everyone gets what they deserve. Good people get good things. Bad people get bad things. But the way of Jesus is totally different. The way of Jesus is that we do not get what we deserve. But why? Well, the teaching is that because Jesus lived the perfect life, the life that we were supposed to live, a life without sin. But on the cross, Jesus got the penalty that we deserved in order that when we place our trust in him, when we believe in him, we get what he deserved which is eternal life. Now, before the cross, the crowd that was listening to Jesus in Capernaum that day, just as all the other people in the Old Testament before the cross of Christ, they needed to trust in God's goodness and his willingness and his ability to save without fully understanding all of the details of how God would accomplish this saving work, how God was going to do it. Now, we today who live on the other side of the cross of Christ, we have the blessing of being able to see how God accomplished all of this through his son, the son of man. But again, this is such a staggeringly unique claim of Jesus. So I can sympathize with the crowd that day by asking Jesus for proof of this claim. When I first read through this passage again, I thought, you know, Weren't these the same folks that he fed the day before with one lunch? What are they talking about? They need a, a sign. Well, they say, what will you do, Jesus? What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Now, I, I don't think this is as dumb of a question as I initially thought. Uh, because on further reflection, I think, you know, it's not such a bad question if you know the history of the ancient people of Israel. Because they brought up a story from their history. They said, you know, 1,500 years ago or so, when Moses led the people out of captivity in Egypt, during the time of the Exodus, right, where God provided for his people and he led his people, there was another bread-based miracle, wasn't there? Um, okay, it's the, we generally call it manna, or bread from heaven, and God did that not just for a few thousand people, but for the whole nation. Uh, and not just for dinner once, Jesus, but for like years. He, God sustained his people for years in the wilderness. If all that happened through Moses, what are you going to do, Jesus? How are you going to top that? Jesus has a... An interesting response in verse 32. Let's continue. 
Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, listen, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's pause here one more time. And I just, I love this so much. Jesus is like, hang on, wait. <laughs> You're looking for me to be more, what, impressive to you than Moses? The manna from heaven didn't come from Moses, it came from God. You're looking at this completely backwards. Don't look at what you can get from me or how impressive that makes you think that I am. See that it is God, my Father in heaven, who provided the manna then and is providing something far greater today. Me, the I am. God is providing me and I am the bread of life. The manna from heaven during the Exodus was only a foreshadow of what was to come. It was a sign pointing forward to Jesus, who is, we discover, both the author and the savior of life. And then Jesus makes this incredible claim. Whoever comes to me will never grow, never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, when you come to Jesus, when you believe in him, when you put your faith and trust in him and what he has accomplished, then just as God provided manna to physically sustain his people in the wilderness, and just as God provided bread to feed the, the 5,000, again, as physical sustenance, so now and too, God will provide everything that you need to sustain you forever in Christ. You will be satisfied forever. This means that we can lay down our burdens. We can lay down all that we carry to try and save ourselves. We can stop trying to earn the blessing and the favor and the love and the forgiveness of God. Because in Jesus, and because of Jesus, all of this is a gift of God's grace. Salvation, forgiveness, love, family, and life everlasting. But what about the people who do not believe? What about the people in the crowd who are, are not disciples of Jesus? People who are there for, for maybe what they can get from him and not there for him and him alone. Jesus has a word for them in verse 36, and let's finish this passage. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, 
and I will raise them up at the last day. Now, our, pa- our passage here ends with a statement full of grace and full of truth. First, the truth. The crowd has seen Jesus physically, and they have even experienced at least one of his major miracles in the feeding of the 5,000, although they probably saw other healings and the like, or at least heard about them from, from those who had followed Jesus for any amount of time. But here's the reality. Here is the truth. They still do not believe in him. Don Carson comments on this passage. The crowd, they have seen only bread and power, not what they signify. This crowd has witnessed the divine revealer at work, but only their curiosity, appetites, and political ambitions have been aroused, not their faith. So the people need the truth. You have seen, but you do not believe. The second thing is, and this is so very good, is that Jesus is both full of grace and full of truth. Jesus says in the same breath, but all those that the Father gives me, every single one of you will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. In other words, for anyone who comes to him, Jesus will protect you. He will keep you and hold you fast. He will not let you go, and he will not let you slip. And this is the gospel, that God provides his one and only son, the bread of life. We respond in faith, and the son nourishes and protects and sustains us until the age to come and beyond into eternity. This is the mission of the Son of Man. This is the work that he would accomplish through the cross and the empty tomb. Well, how do we apply this teaching to our lives, and what does this mean for us today? Well, this is one of the concepts, this is one of those concepts that Jesus is the bread of life that is just so powerful. It's a metaphor that that works so well. He's just a brilliant teacher. And so, because we we all have this internal longing for life, and yet, in this broken world, we all have the common experience that this life that we're all living now is, is just not it. It's just not enough. Even when things are going pretty well for us, there's still the sense in, in my life, and I, I would guess in yours, that there's, there's, there must be something more, something better, something more satisfying. Now, as a result, far too many people, including many, many of us Christians, fall into the trap of spending our lives chasing things that we think that will lead to deep and a meaningful life, only to find out years later, some of us many decades later, that we still haven't found this life that we long for. So what about you? Have you spent your life chasing things like relationships or career or your looks or power or something else? 
thinking that those good things, and they are good things, potentially, will give you this life that you long for? Well, the answer, the resoundingly clear answer in John's gospel, and truly in the whole Bible, is this. It's only Jesus who is the bread of life. Only he provides the life that we long for. Only he truly satisfies. All else will fall short. Everyone else will fail you. If you chase your career thinking that it will be enough, what will you do when you retire or when you can't work for some reason? Or what, if, what will you do if your career doesn't turn out how you hoped? What if you chase your looks thinking that other people's love or attention or influence or fame or popularity uh, will be enough for you? What will you do when beauty fades? It's only Jesus. Only Jesus is enough. Only the life that is found by faith in him and results in our enduring, our remaining in him will finally and eternally satisfy. So I'd like to close with another invitation from the Lord, from Isaiah chapter 55. Come to me, <laughs> all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. This promise is found and fulfilled in Jesus, the bread of life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you now with nothing to offer you. <laughs> all of the substance of our life, all our skills, all our experience, all our wisdom, all our passion, Lord, like none of the, those things matter as we stand before you and we hear your invitation to come. All we need to do is come. We, we come to you in faith. We come to you trusting, maybe not fully understanding every detail, as I'm sure a number of the people in the crowd that day uh, felt confused or maybe needing more information. But Lord Jesus, we come to you and we believe that you are the only one who brings this life that will truly satisfy. Forgive us, Lord, when we doubt. Forgive us, Lord, when we stumble off this path. Help us today to get back up and turn around and come to you once again in faith, believing that you and you alone are enough. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.